Let's now turn in our Bibles and and read Psalm 8 together. Psalm 8, the word of the Lord. Our Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heaven, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And our focus is verses 1 and 2. Let's read that again. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. So far the reading of God's word. Beloved in the Lord, when we look at the words of Psalm 8, it stands out from among the other psalms. The psalm, like other psalms, centers around the glory of what God has revealed and what God is doing for man. But Psalm 8 pulls away from the more immediate concerns of the psalms. And it gives us a wide-ranging view of, of God, of man, and salvation history. Even compare it to the Psalms immediately around Psalm 8. In Psalm 7, David comes before God and demonstrates his need for God and his vindication in the midst of troubles. In Psalms 9 and 10, David recounts God's mighty works in the past and, and notes the deep trouble that the wicked bring upon the earth. And in the midst of of those immediate scenes, the immediate needs of David, we move out from the temporary concerns to the majesty of God and his work in man through the whole of human history. The psalm is quoted all over the New Testament because in it God reveals the broad sweep of what he's doing in, in creating the world. And what he's doing in choosing Israel. And finally in sending his son to take on flesh as our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's a glimpse into the order and purpose of God in creating the world. And it's a glimpse into the big picture of what God is doing among and for his people. I bring you the word of the Lord under the theme... The Lord establishes his glory, first in the heavens, second in babies. 
The psalmist begins with the cry that is emblematic of all the psalms' attitudes toward the Lord. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The Lord's name, the revelation of God, is beautiful, glorious, and powerful. Now, one of the things that this psalm reveals about God is that he is at once very far from us and very near us. He is beyond our comprehension or understanding. The distance between God and us is, is typified in the heavens where he has put his glory. As we read in Exodus, we're not able to bear the full weight of the glory that he is. Now, this distance of God is known as the transcendence of God. It's the understanding that we cannot put God into a box. We can describe God, who he is, what he's done, but we can never fully express who he is or get our minds around his holiness, his knowledge, his might, and his power. Just think of the fact that he is one in three and three in one, and as such is intimately involved in our lives. His thoughts are far above our thoughts. His work is outside of our experience. He is the creator. We are creatures. God is far beyond us. At the same time, Our God is very near us. His closeness is is typified in how he establishes strength through our weakest members, children. He regards and even understands us. He's in our hearts. He's with us. This closeness, this intimate knowledge of his creation is known as God's imminence. And to the believer, both of these, God's imminence and his transcendence, are a source of unspeakable comfort. He is holy for us. He's present among us as his spirit. Present among us as his spirit, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is working by his almighty power for us. The Catechism puts this very well. God is able to do good for us, and he is very willing to do good for us. This contrast between the transcendence and the imminence of God is behind this psalms of expression of wonder that the Lord whose name is great in all the earth has out of his own free will given regard to man. God not only gives regard to man, but chooses to manifest his glory in him. As the Westminster Catechism says, man is made to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And a lot of what's behind that statement is found in this psalm. And that's what the psalmist is doing in this psalm. He's glorifying and enjoying God. He's glorifying God's creation. He's giving thanksgiving for the gifts that God has given him. How God has been with him in all his life. The psalmist is showing his joy and delight 
in what God has done. And that's expressed that glory is a that glorious something that belongs to God's name. God's name is something that transcends us. And the psalmist begins with, with the greatness of God's name. God's name is, is God's revelation of himself to us. God's name expresses his majesty. And we should think here of the, the personal name that he gave to his own people, Yahweh. Now we don't know precisely what Yahweh means, but it tells us something about the uniqueness of God. This is God's special revelation of himself and who he is to the people of God. And God's name reveals his uniqueness. He's uniquely God. There's no other God like him. All created things have life in him. In him we live and move and have our being. God has his life in no other thing. God's life is in himself. The name Yahweh also reveals God's faithful love toward his people. He is a God who keeps his promises to his people. He is a God who does not change. This is the Lord who revealed himself to Moses. The Lord, the Lord, or Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation." All this is what it means that God is God. He's full of compassion, fully righteous. We cannot have in us the kind of unchanging love and faithfulness that is in God, especially now that we're full of sin. Even before the fall, man was weak. Human, changeable. God does not change. And God's name reveals his unchanging faithfulness. And this God has set his glory in a highly fitting place. He has set his glory high in the heavens. Above or upon the heavens. Here we think of the skies above us. The thousands of stars. The galaxies that God has created around the earth. God has created all these galaxies and stars and solar systems for us. Think of the vast distances that we may travel through space, the light years that are between stars and galaxies. Think of the place Earth stands, a medium-sized planet among millions of others. And we see some of the insignificance that the psalmist may have felt as he looked up into the skies and wondered at the glory that God had put there. Our insignificance and the glory 
of an almighty God. And yet, that God has put man at the center of that creation. When we think of the mysteries of astronomy, when we study the stars and the planets and consider what is going on out there in space and how insignificant we are when compared to galaxy upon galaxy, we should be amazed at the greatness of God. Here is the evidence of the creator of God and the wonders that he has done. Here is evidence that the glory of our God is far beyond our grasp. We cannot even grasp the fullness of of the glory and beauty of space, much less the God who created them, created them. This God who is beyond all the empty reaches of space created them. He stretched them all out and he put his glory there, the stars, the sun, the moon. That glory that God has put up into the heavens speaks to man too. Psalm 19 tells us that the heavens tell of God's glory and people hear it so that they are without excuse. Romans 1 tells us that all understand God's power and divinity. That's how all men know that there is a God. The most hardcore atheist knows somewhere deep inside that there's somebody out there. And that's no comfort to the atheist. Rather, he's scared stiff because of it. They know they can see the goodness of God in the heavens, and yet they suppress the truth that they see in unrighteousness. Psalm 14 says, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Our attitude on understanding the glory and power of God in the heavens is to fall down in worship. Like Moses, upon hearing the self-revelation of God, we should do nothing more than acknowledge our weakness and declare our Lord God as the only God in all the universe, a merciful and gracious God who has shown his kindness in Jesus Christ. We should sing with the psalmist of the greatness of God and how little we are and how wonderful it is that God has shown his love to us. This is the proper response to God. This is what God created us for. And that brings us to our second point. The Lord establishes his glory in babies. Not only does God show his glory in the heavens, not only is God's glory demonstrated in his name, God has established strength through the mouth of babies and infants. Literally suckling babies or babies who are not weaned. Now we might be tempted to imagine that the psalmist is only speaking figuratively here. Children cannot speak cogently of the things of God in the way adults can. We might say the psalmist only speaks of children and infants to invoke a picture of the humility of the true believer. But if we understand the place of children in the scriptures, we will know better. 
You can think of how Jesus uses this to apply to the children that come and lay down palm fronds in front of him on his way into Jerusalem. These children do not fully understand what they are saying, and yet God is using their words to establish strength. We can think of other places in the gospel where children are set up as examples of the ideal humility. What we see in these places in Scripture is that not only does God desire that we imitate children in the the way that they believe the promises of God, but that he also desires the praises of children as well. God values and takes pleasure in the worship of children. And this is how he establishes strength through children and infants. Through their childlike, unquestioning acceptance that God is real, as taught by their parents, but they accept it, that God is real and that Jesus is their Lord, he sets an example of what faith is to the rest of us. Yes, we can question the quality of that faith. It hasn't matured yet. In the future, it will be tested as they grow into the maturity that they are called to. In a sense, we can say that they're only repeating what their parents believe, but at the same time, their faith and their expressions of faith is proper to their age and status in the community of God. These things do not take away from the fact that through their speech, the incoherent speech of babies, the babbling speech of toddlers, and the lisping speech of young children, God is establishing strength. We might say that children are those parts of the body that seem to be weaker, but are indispensable according to 1 Corinthians 12. At the same time, these children are a picture of the childlike faith that should be in all of us. The babies parallel the man of verse 4. The word for man there is a nosh, which means weak man. What is weak man that you are mindful of him? God establishes strength through babies. God will establish strength through weak man, as we see in the rest of this psalm. In this way, we see that the babies of of verse 2 are meant to picture all who come to God with childlike faith. God is glorified when we recognize our weakness, as the psalmist does. He's glorified when we approach as children seeking his care. We can think of Lord's Day 46 about why we call God Father. Because God wants that same childlike faith in us when we call out to God as Father. God creates mankind with a desire to worship and praise something. It's unavoidable. As many have noticed, even when man rejects God, he worships something. 
He might worship the genius of mankind. He might worship an ideal of freedom or some model of society. Now God has restored worship among his people so that little children sing his praises even when their parents sometimes lose that ability. It's something we actually see in Matthew 21. The Pharisees have lost their ability to see Christ and to respond with that childlike faith. The children put the Pharisees to shame. And that's where we see the second half of verse 2 coming into, into place. Because this psalm teaches us that God establishes strength through the mouths of babies for a specific purpose. He establishes strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. God's glory in the sky speaks of God's divinity and his nature. It leaves the enemies of God without excuse. But God is doing something more. He wants to show the enemies of God the greatness of his power and love. He wants to show them how great his power is. That he will use weakness to still or to silence the enemy and the avenger. And in this way, God is using the shouts of the young children of Judea to shut up the supposedly wiser Pharisees. He uses the foolish things of this world to undo the proud. That's the greatness of the power of God. And we see here a glimpse into God's historical plan. God is going to use the little things of this world to accomplish the dominion that Adam was to take. God didn't have to use weakness. He could have come and conquered the earth with glory and power. He could have sent legions of angels to rescue Christ from the cross if he only had spoken the word. That's the power of God, a power that we cannot imagine. But God desired to establish strength through what was humble. That was his plan from the very beginning. And we get a glimpse of that purpose of mankind in this psalm. God already at the beginning of the world wanted to be glorified through a fleshly, changeable human nature. Adam is weak man. He's not sinful weak man yet, but he's still weak man. God wanted to be glorified in the regular human weakness of Adam. He wanted to bring Adam from glory to glory. He wanted to be glorified through Adam so that even as Adam matured in fulfilling his calling to rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and the animals... He would continue to submit himself to the will of God fully. Adam, instead of recognizing that he was a created being, tried to be like God through the eating of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. He imagined himself strong when he was weak. 
He thought he was mature when he still had much to learn. He did not exemplify that simple childlike faith. Adam fell and and brought the world under death, and yet God still desired, according to his good pleasure and his boundless love, a body of people that would praise him and glorify him. He regarded weak man. Through their weakness, he would establish a great kingdom that would fill the whole world. He would stop up the mouths who denied his righteousness and his love for his people. And he would accomplish this through weakness. Through the weakness of our Lord Jesus Christ, who took the form of a slave for our sake. The one man who had true childlike faith in his Father. Through the weakness of Jesus Christ, God would accomplish his glory. And he does the same today. And that's the hope of this psalm. All through, all through the psalms, the psalmist has spoken of his weakness. You read through the psalms. He can't deal with his enemies. He needs God to come and vindicate him. He needs God to come and show his enemies that he is in the right. And to do that, he comes to God and says, I am weak. You are mighty. Through that, the psalmist will be vindicated and God will be exalted. This is the way that God uses weakness to establish strength. God teaches us through the various trials and temptations of life that we are weak, and thus he teaches us to rely on himself in the way he intended Adam to rely on him, and in the way his son, Jesus Christ, relied on him his whole life. Through our prayers and and through our worship, God does vindicate his people. Time and again in history, God proves the righteousness of the church when she turns to him and recognizes how weak she is and how great God is. How God is ultimately her defender in the midst of the terrors she experiences. And through that humble, childlike faith of those who make up his church, God continues to establish strength. And therefore, the call is today, do not give up on coming before God. He's far beyond you. He's almighty, but he is for you. He has given regard to mankind. In him, you no longer need to worry about your weakness because God has become your defender. He is your shield and your fortress, to use the words that the psalmist so often use. He uses your weakness to establish strength. In a way, your your weakness may be the most important part about you, for through it, God teaches you to remember that he will be your strength. And the rest of the story is also revealed in this psalm. God has created man a little lower than the angels. Through the weakness of Jesus, 
who has also been made a little lower than the angels, man will be brought to glory, a place above the angels. You see, the place of man under the angels is time-sensitive. Jesus brings man to a new place of glory through his work. The glory that we started at the beginning of our sermon, the glory that God has set in the heavens will eventually be reflected in the many sons that our Lord Jesus brings to glory. All glory be to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's come to our God singing, singing from Psalm 37, verses 1 through 4.